the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, coming off of the, the, the three-year series C, you've already heard in the month of October the gospel reading from Luke about the ten lepers. That was when Pastor Stout was here, actually. I looked it up, and I said, oh, yeah, I wonder what he preached on. He preached on Ruth, actually, if you don't remember, but, but uh, I think it'd be good for us to consider the Old Testament reading tonight. But before we do that... Thanksgiving's always intrigued me because it's been, I don't know when it was actually observed per se as what the nation has decided to do because really when Christians come together, when Lutherans come together, we always are giving thanks to God. And so Thanksgiving is a pretty much a daily, ordinary thing that you do. But it's not bad for the nation either. But when you look at it, here's some history for you. Most know the origins when I grew up. I remember putting on a pilgrim's hat and all that kind of stuff that came when you were a kid, maybe. Um, going back to the pilgrims, right? Plymouth Rock, coming from England. They envisioned this newfound continent as the promised land, similar to what God gave Israel in the Old Testament. Strangely enough, though, the date of Thanksgiving has jumped around a bit. We know it, it didn't come from the pilgrims, the actual day, or the proclamation actually made by Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War for all the states. He established it on uh, a certain day, but not the day we observe today. Instead, it was Franklin D. Roosevelt who set the date in 1939 while dealing with the fallout over the Great Depression. One way he handled this ordeal was by moving the day of Thanksgiving. There was five Thursdays that year. So he moved it to the fourth Thursday. All four Thursdays from there on out has been the decree in our land. The purpose? Well, it was to give an economic boost for the country extending the Christmas shopping season an extra seven days. Even though the present date of Thanksgiving surprisingly comes from a time of financial suffering, people could still be thankful in this land back in 1939. Lots more churchgoers, lots more churches. Um, and they were able to have the God's word still proclaimed throughout this country. Now, whether they heard the gospel preached as a gift of salvation by faith in Jesus Justification kind of thing, I, we don't know for sure, but at least God's word had a place at that time for most people. After the nation of Israel, you know, finished their 40 years of wandering, Moses provided for them in another way, too. Before entering the promised land, he left them with the preached word of God. He wasn't going to go with them. You know the story. On the plains of Moab, east of the Jordan River, they were to remember and give thanks to God. The wilderness was a barren time, but the land of Canaan, oh, that land would be abundant. You heard it tonight. One extreme and then the other, and frankly, that's life in a sinful world. God's word, though, is to give hearts thanks to him with our greatest need being in the gospel. This is the only reason I can come to a conclusion of why Christians would come and celebrate any kind of Thanksgiving service, Thanksgiving Day or Thanksgiving Eve. 
is to rejoice not in the gifts, but the giver who has given us his son. The Lord wanted Israel to remember the love he had for them. And so Moses told them, and you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You know, it goes back to that big question, who took care of who in the wilderness? Israel did not have their way for a reason. It was to open their hearts. All they had left was to trust in God and his word. A need to trust in him for daily life because they couldn't even hoard up the manna like we can have it all in our refrigerators today. They did not have that each and every day. And even what would be in store for them for a future was in God's hands. Their hearts responded more often, as you know, in complaints than any form of compliment. And yet God was faithful to his word. Nothing else would see them through failure except the love God had for sinners. So as Lutherans, we're pretty much unafraid to confess that God is able to change ungrateful hearts. A whole year to trust God and be thankful. How did it turn out? Did we dare to count the blessings? Were the have-nots a dreary cloud over what we did have? There might be less at the Thanksgiving table because of death or because of some grave sin. But we gather tonight the few, around the Lord's table. Thankfully, it's with all the saints, as you know, who celebrate Thanksgiving any time of the year throughout the world who have the Lord's body and blood on their altar, and also with all the saints in glory who God have taken care of in years past. And so looking back, there can be gratefulness. But we know how sinful gritting of teeth comes natural, at least for me. Luther writes it this way, For even we ourselves do not understand our hearts, which is always open to God, but we do not understand our hearts very clearly, whether it serves God for the sake of the belly or not, unless we are tested by want and evils. The faithful heart loves, believes, and serves while it struggles with wants and evils, just as it does in the midst of wealth and goods. So, in other words, baptism into Christ holds a grand promise that his word already has blessed us. Give thanks. It's for you all your days. And it's to see him, Jesus, fighting for those whose hearts fail before Disgrace and loss as it comes upon life. The perfect life of Jesus, then, is the greatest thing you have been given out of whatever anybody else wants to give thanks for. You know Jesus, you know his perfect life, and it stands against the dismal picture the devil seeks to paint about life. This is not about the power of positive thinking. This is about the promises of God of which we are to believe as a gift 
the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The truth. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He said it in the Old Testament, but just in case we didn't get it, Jesus says it in the New Testament, quoting it to the devil when he's being tempted as the perfect man. Having remembered the past, the Lord wanted Israel not to forget his love for the future. Things were going to change. Moses proclaimed, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandment of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. So coming out of their hardship in the wilderness, God knew success in the promised land could just as easily turn into a curse. Abundance would creep in to cloud out hearts and create resentment against God. Had all that holding back denied Israel's potential? Or maybe kept them from their good, kind of like the parents who don't tell the kids what the inheritance is going to be, kind of stuff. Or they'd be wasteful and foolish with it. No, the Lord had no joy in punishment, but God disciplined out of love to give faith in him. To trust in his ways. The purpose was to remain in his salvation, not theirs, self-made ways. Like the past, their future rested not in possessions, but thankfulness over possessing God's word. And so as Lutherans, we're bold toward the future because God's word proclaims Jesus as Savior, not the situation of our country, not the situation of how we might feel in our own life and how things are going. Unlike what the pilgrims pictured as signs by what they built with their hands, they were Puritans. And Puritans... They strove to be pure and work hard. And everything they did proved that God was for them because of what they did in succeeding. But our promised land rests always in the hands of God's Son by grace as a gift. Puritans aren't around anymore. You can't find them. But God's grace is. He is there to protect sinners with his righteousness, especially when everything appears right and there is abundance. It means to follow him then in the way of the cross so the blessings of, in life do not turn into curses. Instead of these gifts, these gifts can serve and help others. The harshness of his word is finally to find how God does drive us to his love in the gospel. And that's frankly what we're missing out on in this country and in many of our families that don't even come to give thanks to God. Where are the other nine? Or we could say the other 90 or the 900. But this church couldn't hold that many. The point is very simple. Jesus said to the last church that he was speaking to in the beginning of the book of Revelation, I believe it was the church of Laodicea, he said to them, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Do we want the future to be what we make it? Is that what makes us thankful for the past? So the Lord's Supper drives away success and failure 
to fix our hope on Jesus. This is the promise of forgiveness, life, and salvation delivered by God's bloody hands. And you know what the Greek word for the Lord's Supper is? It's called Eucharist. And you know what Eucharist means? Thanksgiving. It gives thankfulness to all our days. The best gift you've been given. Even though I do like my turkey, stuffing, time with family. But this is the family that we eat with, no matter the seasons of change. And so we can say with the psalmist tonight, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. There's even a feast for people when they're dying and they get to have the Lord's Supper. A great thanksgiving. God gives his word to set our hearts thankfully upon Christ alone at all times. We're blessed to have the gospel freely preached still throughout this land. Maybe not so desired, maybe not so full as it was back in 1939. But that could be more from tradition and more from cultural things than what hearts of people really believed. We don't know. But we know this, on this national holiday of Thanksgiving, the church has nothing better to give than honoring God's word with thanks to Jesus and love for one another. Let's remember God's faithful, God's faithful to us in the past, future. Thankfulness is good, but thanks to God for the gospel is abundant life in Jesus. Today, all your days, and even more importantly, it's for eternity. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A reason to give thanks to life everlasting. Amen.